Nation Sunday, and the uh, running joke this entire week was that uh, um, Gunner and Derek were going to, uh, uh, at the conclusion of the set, pine 95 theses right up there, and then crack open a couple Salvatore double box. <laughs> Martin Luther actually, in his personal correspondence, would say, I think you should try some of Frau Luther's beer. I mean, he was like really into his wife's homebrew. At any rate, that has nothing to do with what I actually want to talk about today. The purpose of Timberwood Church is to honor, I don't think they're going to do it, by the way, but if a ladder appears, just, you know, go for it, right? The purpose of Timberwood Church is to honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ, worshiping, serving, celebrating together. That is our purpose statement. That is our mission statement. The first half of that, the purpose of Timberwood Church is to honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ, is a ripoff. Okay, we flat out copy the words from Leith Anderson and Wooddale Church, who is actually, fairness in conversation, ripping off Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. There's really not many new ideas in the world. We're mostly just ripping off what other people have done. The second part, the worshiping, serving, celebrating together, and yes, I do have a cold, is a ripoff of, again, the Bible. Worship the Lord your God. Jesus said that. Jesus also said, love God, love neighbor. Jesus said, the witness of the people of God in Acts 2, 42 to 46 is this notion of being together. And then this idea of celebration from the wedding in Canaan to the final wedding in Revelation 21. And so we say early in the life of Timberwood Church, okay, and, and early in the morning, there ought to be this pervasive sense of joy that we have the second we walk through the doors. You should feel it. It should be tangible. It should be reflected in the, in the cadence of our voice. It should be reflected in the smiles on our faces. It should be reflected in the music that we play. It should be reflected because, because we have the coolest thing in the world going for us. Page 1006. Verse 11, chapter 9. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through a greater and more perfect tent, not made with human hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Cool in the gang, right? Celebrate good times. Come on. It's a celebration. I can like it. No, that's the vibe, right? That's the vibe. It's like, hanging in a chow line, good times. That's the vibe. That's the feel. That's the pervasive sense of joy that we ought to have. The good things that Jesus Christ has brought. And it is so easy to get wiped out by the bad things that are happening in the world around us. We're focused on the wrong things. The good things, the good times, all the times, the good things have come. A pathway to God through a, a greater tent, a more perfect tent. Not a tent of the earthly tabernacle, not a human sown tent, not of this creation, might we say not of this world. What the world offers, I'm, I'm really sorry, but it's not eternal. I know that's going to come as a new shock to some people, at least based on how we live. But, but the world is not eternal. Have you seen the latest thing? Telosa? Um, Telioso? I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Okay, Mark Lore, okay, the former CEO, um, chairman, 
of Walmart, okay? He recently retired, and he's like, he just announced this, September 2021. He wants to create this new utopia, okay? It's either going to be in Appalachia, or it's going to be in the American West desert, okay? And basically, it's the idea is to have a town of 5 million people by 2050, okay? And basically, in this town, okay, um, everything's a 15-minute commute, okay? A 15-minute walk, okay? No fossil fuels, okay? So you ride a bike, electric scooter, these types of things, all right? And, and the idea is to create, okay, check this out, a new form of capitalism. <laughs> oh, please. The other idea is to create wealth in a fair way. Not surprisingly, Jason Gay of the Wall Street Journal has already poked fun of the idea. But this, this bird's serious, okay? He's a billionaire, and he wants to create a utopia. Newsflash, it's not going to work. It, it, it won't work. If, if the goal of your town is to create wealth, it won't work. You might be successful in creating wealth, but a utopia... What the world offers, please. It's not eternal. It's, it, it's, it's rarely even good. Verse 11, can I introduce you to Jesus? Can, can we talk about Jesus Christ? Can, can I invite us to a closer walk to Jesus? Can I from the words that Jesus spoke that we talked about this last Wednesday night in the youth, can I invite us to follow him? Because I can guarantee you this, in all of the discussions about all of the things that we talk about so many times, they're not eternal. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Jesus will return. Jesus will reign. And this is an absolute stronger bet than whether Tom Brady will win another Super Bowl. The work of Christ, verse 12. Christ goes in for the last time to the holy place. Doesn't have a rope tied around his ankle. Doesn't go in with animal blood, but personal blood. A personal stake in the game. We get this, right? When you're personally invested in something secures an eternal redemption. Not a yearly redemption, not a temporary solution. It, it's not just patching the road, it's, it's redoing the whole thing. I know some of you, I uh, told you about the idea that I have for fixing County Road 115. I even told it to the local commissioner, um, a gentleman who, who we elected into office. I said, I have a great idea for solving the 115 problem. That's Nashua and Ojibwe around Round Lake, okay, where I live off of that. I said, we should make it an alternating one way. Yeah, that's how he responded to me as well. No, I'm serious though, it would work, right? Because you could make it wide enough. You could make it wide enough for a single lane of traffic, okay? You could have your bike lane, which I would appreciate. You could have a walking lane so I don't get run over by people when I'm out walking my dog. You could have all of these things. It would fix the problem once or for all, right? It would solve the issue. Kidding, it probably wouldn't. But what Jesus Christ does is entirely different than what any other person has ever done. 
an, an eternal redemption for the people who want to follow God. And if you want to know something that will last forever, it's God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, eternally equal, economically unique in what they do. And of that eternal thing, there is a pathway for us to be in relationship with with the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And Jesus offers that eternal pathway, that way to redemption, that way in which the sin problem that we are all affected and afflicted by is mitigated through His blood, enabling us to stand in relationship with the God of the universe. Verses 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer. Okay, so here's the imagery, right? So that the high priest, okay, would go into the holiest of holies like once a year. Blood, okay, take away sin. And then they would also have this uh, prohibition or this uh, way, this mechanism for if you touched a, a dead thing, you could be purified, okay? And so they would take a red heifer, okay? So uh, a pure without blemish red heifer. They would burn the whole thing, okay? And then they would take the ashes and mix it with water, okay, and it was this elaborate, elaborate set of commands related to purifying the body in ancient Israel. So that's what we're talking about. Numbers 19, you can get a picture of this, okay? What's critical in all this is that the animals had to be perfect. You couldn't bring a lame animal. You couldn't bring an animal with a defect. You couldn't bring an animal that had um, uh, spots even on its coat. The animal had to be visibly perfect, and the author is arguing, okay, the, the, the author of Hebrews is arguing, if the blood of livestock and the ashes of a cow can make a difference, the blood of the perfect Jesus, right? Jesus' life is visibly perfect. And in that, it's worthy for the standard, worthy of a standard for our behavior and worthy of our emulation. Again, can we talk about Jesus? Can I introduce you to Jesus Christ? This last week I saw a Facebook post, okay, and it was about someone saying something about how the, the church will, will fail unless we, and I'm like, okay, can we talk about what Jesus said about the church? Just please. Jesus said that, that the church will prevail, not the church will fail. The gates of hell will fail. The world will fail. Can, can, can we just talk about Jesus? Can we push each other to a closer relationship with the God of the universe? Can we live the standard that Jesus lived? And it probably, maybe, won't create a lot of wealth. Unless you think about it in terms of eternity. Because all the wealth that we have, the argument is you can't take it with you. So if the blood of livestock and the ashes of a cow can make a difference in the temporal sense, the blood of the perfect Jesus makes all the difference. We see this one pretty quickly, right? Just comparing those two. We, we would argue that the blood of a human has more value than a blood of a cow. And the blood of a perfect human, the only perfect human, has a great deal more value than the blood of a perfect without blemish cow. 
we understand that what Jesus Christ did was unique in the history of the world. I'm still challenged with the notion of why. Couldn't have God thought up a better, easier, less costly move? I mean, the blood of his son. I mean, couldn't there have been an easier way? Part of me just scratches my head. And, And while I know the Bible says no... It needed to be this costly of a move. It doesn't, it doesn't say why. We can be left to think or to theologize, but something deep in the character of God and the order of creation drives at this reality that for something to live, something else must die. And for a great exploration of this, I've recommended this before, I would recommend it again, the children's books by C.S. Lewis, The Chronicles of Narnia. If, if you could read one set of books that you could digest in, in a week, <laughs> one set of books to talk about theology in a very practical way, g- get into this. Does it answer all the questions? No, but it just, man, a living is it well thought out. Great for kids, amazing for adults. If you're anything like me, you'll weep like a child. Verse 14. For if, well, let's go 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats, goats and bulls, and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? God made it so you can like the person you see in the mirror. Remember, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, right? I even challenged you. I said, look in the mirror. What do you see? Do you you like what you see? Do I like what I see? Now, I know that some people have managed to not care about liking the person in the mirror. And, and they've pushed any sense of God attempting to influence their life to change so far away that they are convinced they've done nothing wrong. They have no need to apologize or ask for forgiveness. If you ever encounter someone who says, well, what would I need to apologize for? What would I need to ask for forgiveness for? You can know that they have a very warped view of life. A very warped view. If you encounter someone who would be as bold to say, or if you think, what do I need to apologize for? What do I need forgiveness for? I've never done anything wrong. Or, or the person, right, who's so busy, they're so busy in life. so busy in life, okay, that they don't even allow any space for God to go, hey, hey, hey. Last week I got a comment card that says, don't whisper. I'm sure I'm not the only person that doesn't like that. All right, I won't whisper. Hey, we're so busy that we can't even hear God yell at us. 
Ever been there? The pace of life, bam, 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 making more money, making more stuff, expanding our influence, doing so much cool stuff. I don't have time to look in the mirror. I don't have time to bleed. Hashtag, you watched it too. But I think there's a wide swath of folks who would really like to look in the mirror and like the person that they see. And Jesus offers a unique pathway to this spot. When you look in the mirror, assuming that you are in relationship with Jesus Christ, what you will see staring back at you is a person created in the image of God. you'll see a person who was redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. A person who is described as a child of God. That's what you'll see. That's what Jesus Christ offers. And, and when you see that in the mirror, that's a pretty sweet place to be. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. The great theologian Taylor Swift writes in her song, The One, If one thing had been different, would everything be different? Yep. Yep. If this one thing is different, everything else can be different. It's movement from work that has no value to service for the living God. And sometimes you don't even have to change professions. It's an entirely a mindset and a spiritual condition of the heart. Who am I working for? Am I working for myself or am I working for the God of the universe? Am I producing wealth for myself or am I producing eternal benefits for the people I work around or that work with me because I know that I'm connected to the God of the universe? It's living with the perspective that you have value because you are in service for the king. And it acknowledges the reality, if one thing had been different, would everything be different? Yes. This is the one thing. This is the one thing that enables everything that we experience in life to find its order, to find its meaning, to find its significance, to find its importance. Exactly. And if you thought it was easy to throw that line out when there's someone walking around you with a camera, dang. <laughs> they were going to fly a drone. They said they were going to fly a drone. I'm like, you got to fly a drone. He's like, I don't know. I don't want to crash into one. I'm like, well, don't crash into anyone then. That makes it easy.
What things in our lives need to change so we like the person in the mirror? What, what, what things in, 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 our, in our lives have to change so that we acknowledge the work that we do is not for ourselves, but is for the God of the universe? What's the movement that needs to take place? And no, I'm not suggesting everyone should sell everything that they own unless God's asking you to sell everything that you own. I'm just saying, look and ask the God of the universe. What do you like? What needs to change? What needs to be redeemed? How do I need to better experience the blood of Christ so that I like the person that I see in the mirror? And I serve the living God. I've told this story before. You don't know my own history. I thought that, I don't know, being successful in life was having a lot. And so I had these goals, right, or these ideas. And quickly, 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 I realized. And so by the age of, I don't know, mid-20s, I'm like, okay, well, that isn't going to work, right? And I remember... Spring, probably 1993, wake up in the middle of the night and I say, okay, God, I'll do it. And I went back to sleep and I woke up the next morning scared out of my wits because I knew I had committed to God and I don't know what I had committed to. And so I went on a search for what I had committed to. And I got to the point where I said, God, I don't care I don't care if I get married. I don't care if I have a home. I don't care if I have a, I just want to follow you. That, that's all. I just want to follow you because I am so tired, even though I've only been doing it for a few years, I'm so tired of trying to figure this thing out on my own. And I can't believe the pervasive sense of joy that I get to live with. Not every day is good. Some days are solemn. Some days are hard. Some days I do stupid things. But I live with this pervasive sense of joy, and I want that to be seen in my life. And I want my friends to, to acknowledge the reality that this can exist for them as well. It's not just for me. that we can like the person that we see in the mirror and that our work has value, irrespective of where we work, when we're working for God. Please pray with me. In the quietness of the moment, just ask God to show you the stuff that needs to change. In the quietness of the moment, hear God whisper in your voice in a very loud way. You have value because you're created in my image. Follow me. In the quietness of the moment, let God begin to heal you.
in the quietness of the moment. I invite you to please stand. Let's respond together.